History is strange, it's alien, and it won't give us what we would like to have. The Les Coco Pharmacy bringing you Hour 3 of a Tuesday morning. It's the 25th of July, 2023. Glad you're along for this edition of Bill Mick Live. Our headline at BillMick.com today is actually restaurant workers, priests, and perspectives. It almost was punching Nazis in the face just because it's one of my favorite Dave Bowman headlines of all time. He joins us from Silverdale, Washington, with this week's edition of Dave Does History. Morning, Dave. How are you, man? I am good, Bill. How are you today? Fantastic. Just having fun kicking around some of your favorite politicians in the last hour. You know. <laughs> yeah. Having grown up in Utah, I'm not a Mitt Romney fan. So. Yeah, I can understand that. And having not grown up in Utah and having watched his political and his business career, I'm not a fan either. So yeah. there we go. Well, we're even then. Yeah, we're all good. That's all right. Okay, you, you've got me intrigued. Punching Nazis in the face? I'm bemused by that phrase. This has become the social media mantra since, what, 2020-ish? I'm here to punch Nazis in the face. And it's, you know, it's always so. Some... Who are you following on social media that that's what comes oh, up? You'd be amazed who I follow on social media. It's, I'd be embarrassed to tell people who I follow. Of course, their um, definition of Nazi is not what normal people would have as well. A and definition. that's part of the problem is that every everything I don't like is literally Hitler, uh, which oh, is a great true. which is a great song. Um, if you haven't I, heard, I heard that, that song, yesterday when you, when you sent it, I heard it. Yeah, it was great. But but that's become our political discourse, and this is one of the things that really really makes me mad. Is I, I do not like the Nazi comparisons and. These people that are always all over social media saying, I'm just here to raise hell and punch Nazis. Uh, they're always people who, what's the word for it? They, they, they're not people who you would be afraid of actually punching Nazis. I mean, they're, they're not, these are people that probably haven't been out of their basements in five years. So I'm not exactly. Millennials, worried. huh? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> but you had a caller last hour that actually said something that caught my attention. And, and okay. forgive me, I don't, I don't, I didn't catch the caller's name, but he said something to the effect of sometimes you need a boxer in the ring, unquote. And I kind of want which caller that was I, either. I, I, I kind of want people to keep that in the back of your head because sometimes you do need somebody who's willing to punch Nazis in the face, especially when you have I don't know actual Nazis doing actual Nazi things. And nobody seems to want to do anything about it. Nobody seems to want to, I don't know, punch Nazis in the actual face, which is kind of where we found ourselves a long time ago. And we'll pick that story up in 30 seconds here on Bill McLive. And speaking of podcasts, you can catch up with Dave Bowman and uh, Plausibly Live, the Dave Bowman Show podcast, and uh, What the Frock, Dave and Rod getting together on Sundays to throw out that uh Rarely religious podcast, but it's thusly named anyway. You'll find him on the iHeartRadio app. And uh, Dave's with us with Dave Does History. So 
we've got people who actually did step up at some point. You said a long time ago. Was it in a galaxy far away or is it one we're familiar with? Well, it was New York City, so I guess. It's a galaxy far away then. Okay. Just a complete aside that's unrelated to anything, by the way. This week's uh, WTF, What the Frock, is heavily religious. So, Okay, very so, good. Catch up on. About time since yeah. you've got Rabbi Dave and Friar Rod going to town there. Yeah. Anyway, um, we were talking about this Nazi thing. And it, it look, the phrase Nazis, and, and, and it's, a, it's a joke, that song, Everything I Hate is Literally Hitler, but it's become our national discourse. And I... I, I don't think I can express to you how much I hate that, this use of the term Nazi to denigrate my opponents politically just infuriates me to the point where... Would it be better for you if they said Nazi-like behavior as no, opposed to say Nazis? No. Why do you even have to go to the Nazis? I mean, to me, it's Godwin's Law. As because you, they are the epitome right, of evil? Right, but it's Godwin's Law. As soon as you go to the Nazis, you've lost the argument. I mean, that's that's my position on it. If you, if you have to bring up Nazis... You've lost. You you don't have an argument is my position. You don't have a valid comparison otherwise? Is that what you're saying? Bingo. You don't know yeah. enough about history. And so the one thing you do know is that Nazis are bad. And so you go to that to that position. And lest we think that it's just Democrats. I mean, this, you know, George Bush is Hitler. Ronald Reagan is Hitler. Donald Trump is Hitler. But conservatives do the same thing. And if you follow enough of them on social media, you'll discover very quickly that conservatives like to go to the Nazi comparison just as fast as liberals do. In yeah, fact, well, we hear it fairly frequently here. Yeah. In, in fact, uh, making the rounds hasn't been much in, in the last few months, but in the last couple of years, the George Soros was a Nazi meme mm-hmm. that makes the rounds. And the problem is there's a picture of this this Nazi, and it's George Soros, and a, but it's not. It's it's a guy by the name of Oscar Gronick. We don't even bother to do the research to determine who this guy actually is. And to me, but that it's is so much fun to vilify Soros that way. Well, of course it is, because you don't actually have any way to actually vilify him. So what do you do? Everything I don't like is literally Hitler. That's mm-hmm. that's where we run. And again, it pisses me off because it it denigrates the memory of the millions of people, not just Jews, who were murdered by Nazis, who were actually killed by actual Nazis, who actually did Nazi things that we don't like to talk about. We don't we don't get into any of that. Uh, this week in 1944, the Lviv in Poland was was liberated by uh, the Red Army, the Russians. Uh, prior to the war. There were 300, almost 300,000 Jews living in this town in Poland. When it was liberated in July of 1944, there were 300. There were no university professors left in Poland because the Nazis just killed them. They just, they, we don't want Polish professors educating Polish people, so they just murdered them, lined them up on the streets and murdered them. They... You know, they rounded up people, put them in ghettos, uh, starved them to death. There's a fantastic film that I highly recommend. It's a Robert, Robin Williams film called uh, Jacob the Liar, which if you haven't seen, you know, it's one of those ones that y- you'll be able to watch it once. I've watched it once in its entirety, but it's just so overwhelming. You can't take it after that because 
it so accurately depicts what actual Nazis actually did. On the Danube River in Hungary, there is a display of shoes lined up on the Danube River where actual Nazis lined up Jews along the river and shot them just because they were Jews. And to this day, those shoes sit there. I can tell you that for my own part, going to Israel, going to uh, the Yad Vashem Museum, I had really steeled myself. I know all this history, Bill. I've been, you know, I've been studying World War II for many years. I know what happened, but and I went through it pretty calmly until I got to that last room where there's a single shoe, a child's shoe, inside a box. It's all that's left. And you start realizing that my political opponents, being called Nazis by me or by you calling me a Nazi, isn't just, it isn't just pathetic argument. It's downright offensive and rude to these memories that we should be venerating, that we should be remembering. And yet somehow or another, in our society today, maybe it's the ensuing 80 years, I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that so few people today actually know any actual Nazis. And so everything I don't like is literally Hitler, and I'm going to go punch some Nazis in the face. But they may not actually be Nazis. I've just decided they're Nazis to justify, rationalize, explain my act of violence if I even actually pull it off. And the reality is that 99.99999% of the people who post that have never hit anybody in their life, let alone an actual Nazi. So what happened and to us? And along the way, they trivialize the horrors that happened during World War II. And, it, and, and that's part of the problem. The sacrifices that were made. You know, you go to Washington, D.C., you go to the World War II Memorial, and you see those stars on that memorial. But how often do we talk about that now? How often do we recall the sacrifice that was made by this country, let alone other countries, to rid the world of that idea? We don't, we don't like to talk about it. We, and, and this is one of the things that just irritates me to no end, is the, the left's obsession, and to a lesser degree, the right's obsession, with absurdum ad reductum, which is, if I just call my opponent a Nazi, well, that makes them evil and justifies anything else and everything else I have to say, right? That's, that seems to be the approach. But there was a time in this country when that was not the case. There was actually a time in this country when we weren't really sure what the Nazis were. We didn't, I know it sounds strange to us today to say that, but when Hitler came to power, we weren't sure that he was bad. He had some policies that made us uncomfortable, but the truth was many of those policies were similar to the United States laws. And so when the SS Bremen sailed into New York Harbor in 1935, no one was absolutely sure what it meant to be a Nazi, except for six guys in New York City who decided that they knew and they were going to punch Nazis in the face. Oh, sounds like it's going to be an interesting story. Not the not the carnival game we were thinking of as we opened the show. 
Well, it's going to kind of go that way for a little while anyway. And we'll find out as Dave does history on Bill McLive. It is uh, what we do on Tuesdays, and we're glad you're here for it. Don't forget opportunity to win uh, $5,000 just for listening to the iHeartRadio app. When you turn on the app, give it time to load up on that mobile device. It'll give you an entry form. Click on that. You could win five grand. Good luck. History like you've never heard it. It's Dave Does History on Bill Mick Live. Dave Bowman joining us from Silverdale, Washington with our history lesson for the week. The West Cocoa Pharmacy making the hour possible. The idea is to punch Nazis in the face, and apparently some of that actually happened in 1936. Dave, where are we at and what's going on? So just a reminder, by the way, the convention in Philadelphia is taking a break, and so... So, so are, are we. we. So yeah, there you go. It's actually 1935, Bill. I I wrote down the wrong year when I sent you the notes. It's actually 1935. Oops. Okay. But in in July of 1935, the SS Bremen, which is a German passenger ship, 51,000 ton passenger ship. This is a luxury liner. And in those days, you didn't fly across the Atlantic. You sailed across the Atlantic and the the more expensive the ship, the better, right? You want to sail first class. Yeah. You don't want to go cheaply. Or maybe you do, but you still want all the amenities of first class. Well, the Bremen, which was a German ship, gave you all that. Plus, she was very fast, built in 1928 before the rise of Was Hitler. it a German-engineered boat? Yeah. Yeah, they built it in... Uh, Oh, I don't remember where, but uh, they, they, she's she's German. I mean, okay. she's German through and through. But, of course, the problem is that by 1935, who's in charge of Germany? Since 1933, it's been Adolf Hitler and the Nazis. And as I said, a year and a half, two years into the Nazi regime in Germany – most of the world really didn't know exactly what to make of them. They weren't, it's hard for us to put our hands around it now because we know that Nazis are evil, destructive, and, you know, just flat out almost satanic. But in 1935, that wasn't quite as clear to the world. In fact, most of the countries of the world had very good relations with the Germans. We were loaning them money. We were accepting of some of their their laws, which really hadn't gone into effect yet, but the primary reason was because there was much of the same anti-specific groups in in the rest of the world that there was in Germany. The difference was we weren't making it law. We were just acting that way. 
In fact, one of the complaints that Hitler will make about the United States is that our laws at the time about eugenics were far worse than the German laws about eugenics. And he's, he, his, his question is kind of like, well, why are you blaming us for getting rid of people who are less than perfect? You're doing the same thing. There's a very moral ambiguity in the early 1930s between the United States specifically and Nazi Germany. It hasn't become what it will eventually become. But that doesn't mean that there aren't those who don't recognize it for what it is. And in 1935, July of 1935, the SS Bremen sails into New York Harbor, where it's just making its normal run. And as it's getting ready to leave on July 25th, 1935, there is a huge party, Bill, because this is the way you did it back then. You are allowed to go on the ship, even if you don't have a ticket, to say goodbye to people, right? So, so everybody. Oh, like we used to be able to walk to the gate at airports. I got you. Yeah, but but even more. I mean, you could go on the ship. You just had to get off before uh, before they actually sailed. And so, on July twenty fifth, nineteen thirty five, as Bremen is getting ready to sail, she has very famous people aboard her. There are priests. There are politicians. There are there is a saint. Uh, he's not a saint yet, but he's he will be. Uh, the Catholic Church will eventually canonize him. And in fact, Julius Rosenberg, the 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 Soviet spy who we will execute in the fifties, mm-hmm. he's on board, traveling back to Germany. This is a huge deal. But also on the ship by this point, the Germans have begun to put squads of SA troops on each ship to quote unquote maintain order. The SA, if you recall, are thugs, they're street thugs, they're gangsters, they're they're bad people. And there are six New York longshoremen who do not like Nazis, particularly because some of the things the Nazis have done with their anti, uh, well, Jewish behaviors. And these six guys decide that they are going to get on board the ship during this party. They're going to pretend to be drunk. They go on board, and they have plans to literally punch Nazis in the face. So these longshoremen are going, those are pretty tough guys in their own right, Dave. Yeah, they are. And, you know, politically, we probably disagree with them. Um, That's just reality. But remember what your caller said. Sometimes... You need a boxer in the ring. Mm-hmm. And to this point, nobody really understands how evil the Nazis are. But these six guys, and it might be four, there's some confusion in some of the reports, but it, it's more than one and less than seven. They get aboard the ship, the SS Bremen, July 25th, 1935. And it soon becomes very obvious that they are not there to say goodbye to passengers. They begin fighting their way towards the prow, the, the very front end of the ship, you know, where, where uh, Rose and, and Jack go, I'm king of the world, kind of thing. Yeah, my favorite meme these days is push her off. Right. <laughs> Hanging on the prow of the ship is a German swastika. And in 1935, the swastika is not the national flag of Germany. It's still 
the three colored brown or uh, you know gold, black, and red Weimar Republic flag. So it's not technically the national flag of the country. And they begin fighting their way towards the prow of the ship. They are beating up SA stormtroopers. They are dropping stormtroopers on the way to the prow. The prow, sorry. The New York police are called because this is, you know, a disturbance. They come running on board. They don't know what to do. I mean, you got these longshoremen tearing up this ship. And they actually shoot one of the six guys, seven guys, whatever it is. But meantime, in all this fighting and punching, the the men make it to the very prow of the ship, the very point of the ship. They grab the swastika flag that's hanging there, and they chuck it into the Hudson River. Now, we're talking about the Hudson here in the 1930s, so it's not the Hudson River of today where... You know, you might you might be willing to go swimming in it. In those days, it was a sewer. They toss the swastika into the Hudson River. Cheers erupt from everywhere. Everybody's happy. Yay, that blink, blink, so blink, blink. that the Nazis were whatever, right? Yeah, but, has, has okay. been chucked into the river. And then they surrender to the police. They're arrested, and they're hauled off. And they're going to go on trial because this is now not just a hooliganism act, this has become an international incident. Just what we always needed, especially when we're not engaged in what the Nazis are doing or even understanding it yet, but we'll see what the trial does. We'll also take calls from you when we come back if you've got thoughts or were you on the boat. 321-768-1240. Let you take part as Dave does history as we continue this Tuesday on Bill McLive on 92.7 FM WMMB. the last minute the radio clock waits for no one call bail now at 321-768-1240 the west coco pharmacy our hour sponsor dave bowman with us with dave does history as we're getting ready for the trial of these longshoremen who went on to this uh nazi controlled vessel and started whipping nazis and throwing the swastika into the hudson river that's that's pretty good so they shoot one and they arrest I guess the rest of them, Dave? Yeah, the police, the New York City police arrest them because this is a crime. Not only is it a crime, Bill, but there's actually a law in international law that you cannot desecrate the national symbol of another country. And if you do, this will cause a huge diplomatic row, as it were. But there's a problem. And that problem is that Nazi Germany has not yet technically made the swastika the national flag. It's still the tricolor Weimar Republic flag. 
So did this guy, did these guys commit a crime or not? Should this really be well, worthwhile? Destruction of the ship's property, if nothing else, right? Well, I guess there's that, but is this worthy of an international brouhaha? The trial. Well, if you're ticking off Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Well, and that's the problem. Now you've got an international dilemma facing all the countries in the world leading up to World War II. Should the world agree with these guys and challenge the well-publicized injustices already of the Third Reich, or should we follow popular opinion and appease or even collude with, with Hitler, who makes no secret of his, his, his long-term intentions? If we, you know, do we stand up with these guys? Do we stand up with these guys for punching Nazis in the face? Or do we say, hey, you shouldn't have done that, and we're going to punish you for it? The trial gets underway. And, of course, Hitler, we're told, is absolutely livid. He is furious. He is angry beyond belief because, of course, he believes, rightfully or wrongfully, that these six guys are, of course, not just longshoremen, they're Jewish longshoremen. And in his mind, not only are they Jewish longshoremen, they're Jewish Bolshevik longshoremen. And so he is coming literally unglued over the flag being thrown into the Hudson River. This is the kind of thing that makes you think, well, maybe this guy just really isn't... Uh, What's the word for it? Oh, yeah, stable. Maybe maybe yeah. he's crazy. Maybe this is what needs to happen more. I, I, you know, the, there's a huge debate here internationally because is it technically a crime? Should we really get this upset about it? Or should we, you know, kind of appease Nazi Germany, you know, calm down? It goes on trial. The six men go on trial. And the trial lasts about a, a couple of hours. And the judge, a guy by the name of Brodsky, throws the charges out against the six men. In fact, he says that the Bremen was at fault because it had engaged in, quote, gratuitously brazen flaunting of an emblem which symbolizes all that is antithetical to American ideals, unquote. He also went on to call it a pirate ship with the black flag of piracy proudly flying aloft, unquote. <laughs> These are the judge's words, and this just absolutely causes the Nazis in Germany to go ballistic. If they could have declared war, they probably would have, but they couldn't, so they didn't. But they do, at this point, Bill, this is the point where they change their laws, and they make the Nazi flag the official flag of Nazi Germany. And they get rid of the Weimar Republic flag. And they they make the Nazi flag that. And Hitler just rants and raves and there and the reaction of the of the of the United States government is subdued. The United States sends a quote note of apology to to Germany that says man we're sorry our guys ripped down your flag and threw it in the Hudson River. Sorry. And it's just one more eh, 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 kind of punch in the face to the Nazis of, yeah, 
you guys are coming unglued over a flag when what you're doing is evil, rude, unbelievably wrong. And while we're still almost a decade out from World War II, we're still not happy with the way you're doing this. And it's this incident that, that causes the Nazis to make this their flag and eventually will become, literally, the most despised symbol in history. So you're saying that the swastika is America's fault? Well, we threw it in the <laughs> Hudson River, yay us. But okay, just, just trying to clarify here. Yes. Dave Dunn's history, we're back in 60 seconds. This is Bill McLive. Not only does the iHeartRadio app give you an opportunity to catch up with everything we do every day, all three hours of the show, our McNugget, our call of the day, also lets you catch up with Dave Bowman and plausibly live the Dave Bowman Show podcast. Got links to that for you on the show page at BillMick.com so you can catch up with Dave at your convenience. So, Dave, uh, other than America being responsible for the swastika being the Nazi flag now, um, does does this incident play into the U.S.-German relations as we later decide to get into the war, but we're far from that at this point. Well, remember that we never, we didn't start the war with Nazi Germany. In fact, December 7th, the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. December 8th, we declare war on the Japanese Empire. But it's not until December 11th that Germany declares war on us. We didn't declare war on them until after they they declared war on us. It's a very interesting relationship internationally between the United States and Nazi Germany, particularly in the years before the Nuremberg Laws go into effect. Because, like I said, nobody really knows what they represent. And as, as shocking as it is to us today, many of the anti-Semitic and racial views that the Nazis held were not uncommon in the United States or England or France or anywhere else. This was not, this was not, you know, really crazy out there behavior. But the reaction to having their flag, which wasn't their flag, thrown into the Hudson River, it, 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 it's almost childlike. The German so do you think if Hitler kept his methods and, 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 and evil acts inside his own country, the rest of Europe and us, we wouldn't have been involved. We just said, one of that's the things, what they're doing. It's their country. One of the things that Hitler will actually say later on about the Jewish population in Germany is that America treats its Jews the same way. We just have the guts to actually make it a law, and they don't. That's history, folks. That actually happened. Whether or not you see it that way today... We, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to excuse Nazism. That's not what I'm doing here. What I'm saying is that sometimes you need a fighter in the ring that's going to punch a Nazi in the face, but an actual mm -hmm. Nazi, not just somebody who disagrees with you, which is what happened here. Actual Nazis got actually punched in the face, and it kind of revealed to us what these people were really like. I mean, Hitler went bananas. Like I said, they... They called the judge. Well, as you said, though, if, if the U.S. and Europe in large part had very similar views, didn't like Jews, didn't like certain other groups of people, and if Hitler had stayed in Germany, would they have left him alone then? As long as you're not going to expand well, outward to us and try this stuff with us. Therein lies, therein lies the problem is that Hitler is not capable of doing that. Right. So, I mean, from the beginning, his plan was to, was to conquer the world, at least 
at least in in ideology, if not physically. So, you know, the whole thing with Lebensdrom, that was never an issue. But, you know, it just it's fascinating to me to watch these little incidents in history. Six guys run onto a ship in New York Harbor, rip down a flag and throw it into the harbor. And this literally becomes an international incident. It flies around the world within hours. Every country in the world knows that this, this has happened. And, you know, we complain today about the way social media works, but it wasn't mm-hmm. all that different then. The difference was the reaction and, and the Germans demanding an apology from the United States and Roosevelt giving them one. Now, it's, a, it's not... It's not a meaningful apology, and it's not it's it's a diplomatic apology to you know cross the T's and dot the I's, but it's not it's not a, oh we're we're really sorry, and the United States government makes no effort to further prosecute these men at all. They're revered as heroes, and why wouldn't they be? Because they punch Nazis in the face, actual mm-hmm. Nazis, not not people who just disagree with me, and they were cheered for it. So. I, I find it a fascinating event, and I find it fascinating that that's the event. That's the reason this, the swastika flag, the red with the white circle and the swastika, becomes the national flag of Germany. Prior to that, it isn't, which, of course, by the next summer, you know, in the 1936 Berlin Games of the Olympics becomes, I mean, it's almost like wallpaper. You can't turn, you can't turn around without hitting a Nazi flag somewhere. Yeah, that's very true. Very, very true. Let's get a quick phone call in while we have the opportunity. Good morning. You're on Bill McLive with Dave Bowman. Good morning, Bill. Yeah, who's this? This is Ed in Melbourne. Good yeah, morning, Ed. Dave. Go ahead. My understanding of history is that uh, the United States government was aware of the roundup, uh, roundup of the Jews and the concentration camps, and the FDR was aware of that, and that information was suppressed. Is that correct? Thanks, Ed. Dave? Well, it depends on what you mean by suppressed. Were we aware of it? Yes. But from a functional reality, what are you going to do about it? I'm not... Look, would it have been better if we knew what we knew now to do things differently? Of course it would be. But in 1942, what are you going to do? You don't have the means of ending that. You don't have any... You, you don't even know you're going to win the war. So what do you actually do? I, I don't, you know, this is the the uh, Ken Burns documentary. Roosevelt didn't do anything. Well, what would he have done? What could he have done? I mean, with, with historical hindsight, you think, well, there are other things we could have done. But those weren't obvious to those people there. And that's, to me, that's judging history with our own, with our own cultural values. It's easy to say, this is what I would have done today. This is what people say to me all the time. If I'd have been at the convention in 1787. Oh, so the answer today is just cancel Hitler. Yeah. If, yeah. I'd have been, if I'd have been at the convention, we wouldn't have had slavery. Yeah, we would have. You would not have been able to change it. I don't know that anything could have been done differently. I wish it could have been. But just because you have information doesn't mean you can can act. I mean, what, what would we have done? We didn't have SEAL Team 6. We didn't have... Right. You know, B-2 stealth bombers, what, what's your plan? Dave, as always, a fantastic look at history. I appreciate it, my friend. Catch up with him with the Dave Bowman Show podcast. Dave, thank you. You are welcome. See you next week. The West Coco Pharmacy made the hour possible. Wide open Wednesday tomorrow. Bring it up then.